Welcome to the first episode of a new podcast between Ready Media Group and Tamara Gross of Bell Property. Tamara, we've got a very exciting guest this morning. Tell us more. Well, thank you, Rob. It is with great pleasure to welcome Charlotte, or Lottie as she's known to her close friends, Vidor, a woman full of so many exciting um, strings to your bow. You came to Australia over 57 years ago with your husband, Irvin, and you operate over 80 hotels, which has over 10,000 rooms throughout Australia, New Zealand and Europe. I'm an absolute regular at the Bondi Adena in Sydney, Not only is it a brilliantly located hotel 200 metres from the Bondi Beach, but home to some of the best retail and cafes downstairs from the hotel. So welcome to you, Charlotte. I'm going to start, Charlotte, by going backwards and hearing a little bit about where it all began. In the 1950s, your husband, Irvin, started his career in Australia selling metal shoe tips and jewellery and which you joined him in that business. Irvin was studying accounting and you were a pharmacist and then studied urban town planning. What led you guys into the hotel business? I can't give you a direct answer. It was a series of circumstances. But let us say, firstly, I'd like to correct. I came here to Australia with my parents and Irwin also came to Australia actually by himself in 1950. We were not married, as you have said. At that stage, we didn't even know each other. But I think I'll start, what you've said is correct about Owen starting a jewelry business. And in fact, when we got married in 1958, shortly afterwards, we decided to sell the jewelry business because Owen was studying and I was working, we decided we bought a house which we had to renovate. We employed a small builder to do it and we got on extremely well with him, so much so that we decided to go into partnership with him in order to build some small development projects. And we had some money left over from the sale of our jewelry business and we used it to kickstart our venture. I must say, we were being very successful and very happy in what we were doing. In fact, we just to mention that our first project was in Glebe, Toxter Street, Glebe. We built a series, a small bachelor apartment project of investment flats. And they were very successful and we continued with this venture. And we were involved in residential development very successfully for quite a number of years. And then one day, a friend of ours who lived in the States mentioned that he saw a very impressive new concept in LA at a place called Marina del Rey. And the name of the actual project was Oakwood. He thought we may be interested to look at it during our visit to the States. We went to see it and we were most impressed. Although we realized immediately that we could not duplicate this project due to its size and to financial constraints, and also the big difference in mobility between the population here and the States, 
we thought that an Australian version of service departments had a lot of merits. At that stage, I must say, holiday accommodation consisted of motels of various standards. There were some full service hotels in the CBD areas, and the rest were what you call holiday flats. Now, they were furnished flats which provided absolutely no service. You picked up the keys from an owner or real estate agent, brought your own linen and towels and also cooking utensils and stayed for a week or two weeks and then returned the key and went home. If you had any laundry, then you had to go to the nearest laundromat if you were lucky enough. We thought that there was a potential for an alternative and service departments would be the way to go. I must say that they say that fools rush in where angels fear to tread. And I'll tell you that there were many times that we have, I have thought we were mad to tackle this. Yeah, persisting, which I think is fantastic. Well, it, it wasn't easy, but I remember what it actually happened is we had a development approved in Randwick of 62-bedroom apartments, which we were going to sell, and we decided to keep it and try and run it as service apartments. It was a huge learning curve for me because I knew nothing about hotels. I had a real estate license. In fact, I was a licensed real estate agent and knew all about letting flats, but I knew nothing about hotels. I knew nothing about cleaning, servicing, management, but I learned very quickly. And one of the biggest problems which we had is how to promote it. We didn't have any money to promote them as uh, service departments on any big scales. All we could do is to advertise them in under the columns in the Sydney Morning Herald under furnished flats to let. And we came up with a new ad, which was designed by a friend of ours, which showed a man reclining on the lounge and under the heading, why stay at a hotel when you can do so much better? And we thought we had it all sewn up, but it was a very slow and difficult start in business. I, I think I won't keep you much longer because it took us quite some time to get the first, at that stage, our apartments were known as Medina, not Adina. Basically, that was the, the, the beginning of my hotel experience. And back then, Charlotte, how long did it take you to get bookings for the, the service departments? Well, it's a long story. Nobody ever heard of service departments. There were two bedroom apartments, which were kitchen, lounge room, laundry, and it had a bathroom, was a toilet and then separate toilet. And we tried to promote it, that it would be good for two people to stay in it, where they could share the lounge and kitchen facility and bathroom, and each have their own bedroom. We didn't get acceptance initially, and we tried very hard. We also had no money to advertise to any large extent. So we employed a young woman to go around all the local businesses in Randwick 
uh, to see if they were interested in sending us guests, not very successfully. I must say, I only hope at that stage were two big businesses. One was IBM at Rosebery, and they ran training courses for overseas students of a fairly long duration. I think there were six weeks each. And also the police academy in Burke Street ran a lot of training uh, courses for their young policemen. We approached both of them and they were not particularly interested in it. However, as luck would have it, IBM, who were using some local accommodation, I'm not sure what, there was some sort of a event and they suddenly were found that they needed accommodation and they rang us and asked us if they could have the apartments, which we obviously were delighted to give to them. They took their first intake was 16 apartments for eight weeks. And we were absolutely over the moon to receive that booking. To follow up, more good luck, the police academy who were staying in uh, rooms in pubs around Burke Street also had some sort of an event and couldn't use them. So they rang us and booked some accommodation at the Medina. Now, their training courses, I think, were for 12 weeks. I can't remember anymore. But the result was that all the trainee, police trainees, once they experienced them staying at the Medina, wrote to the management and said they're not going back to the other accommodation, and they insist on staying at the Medina. The result was that we were 100% booked by IBM and the police for many, many years month. We couldn't even accept people who answered the little ads at the Sydney Morning Herald. But one has to be lucky. And from then, we didn't look back. That's a wonderful story. What year was that where you had the police um, booking all those rooms? There would have been early 80s. And tell me from the Medina, tell us about Toga, the group of companies now. Where did that name come from? There are two versions. That's my version. The name of the oldest son of our original partner started with T.O. And the name of our oldest son started with G.A. So the result was Toga. I love that. However, my husband insists that Toga was selected because it is the name of a Roman tunic and also means cladding. So that's why we chose the name. So you can take your pick. I think they're both good reasons. Um, you've been working with your husband for a very long time and as well you've have, you have your children involved in the business. How does that play out, separating family and work or do you all just enjoy being both together? We've been married for more than 60 years and working in the same business. Looking back, to be honest, we have many what we will call robust discussions. We did not always agree on everything, but always we were able to reach a mutually agreed income, uh, outcome, sorry, not income. One of the reasons for being able to work so well together is that although we worked in the same business, we had responsibilities for different areas so that we were able to work independently from each other in the different parts of the business. And 
just worked very well. Now, all our life, frankly, revolved around building up the business at that time. And we not only lived it during the day, but we also continued to talk about it at home, at dinner, at every possible moment we discussed business. And our children got sick of it, although they were always present in our dis during our discussions and also during our arguments, and they all occasionally uh, participated. But I must tell you that one day when we came home from work and sat out down to have dinner together, the children appeared dressed in their suits, looking very, very businesslike, and banging their forks and knives on the table, saying, to us, I won't sing it to you because my voice is dreadful, but it was business, business all day long. Mm -hmm. Listen to my business song. And we learned the lessons, stop talking about business at dinner time for a while. All I can say about my children, very briefly, they finished school and university and they were told that they must work for a minimum of three years outside of our business to get experience, and then they could make up their minds what career they wished to pursue. But if they wanted to come and join us, they were very welcome. And this is what happened. They all came into the business and they are fully involved in running it. And to be frank, I have now what I call become a management consultant. I give them all the advice, management advice. And if it doesn't work, then I tell them they've done it wrong. But if it works, then I take full credit for it. Good. Well, I think the proof is in the success. The brands of the Dana Medina vibe, all of the hotels that you now run over throughout Australia, New Zealand and Europe is testament to the success of your business. Tell me, um, Charlotte, the travel industry, as we know, is very competitive. And you guys have a reputation as the leading hotel operators. How have you managed to keep that success? There are a large number of factors that are involved. All I can say is it, it takes a lot of hard work, taking up of opportunities, surrounding yourself with like-minded people who are capable and ambitious and frankly, working hard at whatever you do. We have basically always placed a lot of emphasis on customer satisfaction and have always been on the lookout of how to improve our programs. Frankly, we have had a wonderful team of people who worked with us and who's, many of whom still work with us. We have built up a lot of relationships with business, government, entertainment, and that has helped us in our endeavours. And tell me, um, what do you look for for a location for a hotel? Is there a certain criteria you follow when you're looking for new sites? Yes. I think I could sum it up in three words. Location, location, location. I think the location of a hotel property is one of the most important attributes. It has to be in an area with commercial offices. It has to be near airports. It must be near tourist attractions. It must be close to entertainment hubs. It must have good transport facilities 
so people there can move around freely. I think basically these are the attributes. And there is nothing that will improve on this unless there are some special requirements for a hotel which may specialize in medical care or so on. But otherwise, it's always location. And tell me, since COVID, the travel industry has been pretty much decimated. How have you steered your way through these uncertain times? With difficulty, 2021 was a transformative year and we have had to make many adjustments to our offerings for our guests. It was important that we ensure their safety and we not only rolled out health and hygiene programs for them, but also QR codes for tracing, codes for social distancing and so on. We had to move with the times and diversify into new domestic markets as international business is almost non-existing. And we did participate, and we participate still, with some properties in the government-sponsored quarantine business. But we also embarked on a strategy of real estate, short-term leasing, fast-tracking infrastructure project, and, you know, basically following up every lead that presents itself in every field of endeavor, including charity and community project. We had to adapt to a new reality and reinvest, reinvent, actually, our approach to win every possible bit of, of business that is available. We have a very good team that is with us and whom we cherish very much, and they're doing a wonderful job. I think the one thing we know about life nowadays, everything is subject to change and the most flexible you can be. Tell me, um, the companies like What If Hotels Combine, Webjet and the other third-party operators who offer sort of discounted rates, how do you find, are they helpful or do they hinder your business model? No, they're very helpful. Look, we've had a very good relationship with all those companies and they've always been part of our business mix. And strategically, we distribute our rates via all those channels. And at this stage, there is no business coming from anywhere. So it makes not much difference, but we'll still keep up those contacts. However, ever-changing world, we find that travelers now prefer to book directly with the properties as flexibility with bookings, costs, and cancellation details are drivers of what is happening. And all inquiries are short-term. And I must say, we saw a ray of light that business started to make tentative inquiries and weeks ago, but now with this latest lockdown, it's all gone. We are still optimistic about the future and have in fact launched two new brands, A for Adina in Sydney CBD, Central Business District and Canberra, yeah. and also a Quincy Hotel in Melbourne, which is the first time that this brand is appearing in Australia. European division has also got its challenges, but we are overcoming them and we are opening new properties in Austria and Switzerland. We have now come to realize that discounting does not drive demand 
or rather is not the only thing which drives demand and that many people prefer added freebies to their bookings. And this is what we have pursued. Well, in brief, we're doing everything possible to get every booking we can get hold of. And there are not many, I can tell you. Yeah, it's really, I think I had five bookings for Sydney last year. And I think I finally got there in March this year because of the lockdowns all and just trying to work around that for friends that had weddings, people that had all sorts of functions, conferencing. It really meant, you know, the word pivoting became very prolific in our world now, which is what we really have to do and work around any kind of lockdown. I must say you've stated the Adina at Bondi. And before this lockdown, this latest, we had bookings mainly from Victoria, as it happened. We had almost, I think, 80% bookings, which was unheard of. And we were absolutely euphoric about it happening. And the minute the lockdown came, those bookings disappeared. So we ended up with an almost empty property and there was nothing we could do about it. So all we can do is just wait and hope that things will improve, I suppose. Charlotte, just a quick question that I have for you. Given you've been so successful throughout your career, what are your best pieces of advice that you can pass on, particularly for younger listeners that might be listening? They have to have perseverance in whatever they want to do because, frankly, there is always sunshine around the corner and sooner or later things somehow work themselves out. I think the main thing is not to give up and just pursue whatever you have to do within your capabilities. Positivity is certainly the key to this business, any business. Charlotte, um, just to finally, I've loved hearing your words, just in terms of we're now in 2021 and there are still not as many women in leadership as could be. And how do you see we as women in leadership, we can keep building a platform for other women? I think this is what they say, the $64 question. I'm not sure that I have the answer. I have really never had any discrimination during my business career, not that I can think of. So I'm not sure that I'm the right person to answer, but I'll answer to the best of my ability. There is no doubt that there is some gender discrimination in the workplace. And it is important that organizations, as well as women in leadership positions, play a major part in the crusade. We somehow seem to have a perception that males are more competitive and technically savvy than women. And it is important that organizations put in place a framework that doesn't discriminate by gender and are based on a skill that the woman has. But at the same time, as much as I believe that women are as capable as males, I must say I accept that women have to juggle a work-life balance combined with parenting and may find it difficult to have the opportunity for leadership and authority due to these constraints. Having a supportive partner is often a key to a woman's ability to succeed. It's difficult to give advice, but I can say that one has to make choices 
and they will determine the success in the workplace and society in which we live. I do believe one thing that there is too much beat up by the media about the toxic company culture and sexual discrimination. And that really takes away from the conversation about the real ability of women to participate in the workforce. Yes, I heard a very good quote recently when talking about having it all. And somebody said, we can have it all, but just not always at the same time. Frankly, all I can say is to all the women who are out there, don't give up. And if you don't succeed, try and try again and it'll happen. I love that, Charlotte. And just before I finish and say thank you, congratulations, you were awarded an Order of Australia. That is just fantastic for you and your commitment over the years and what you've built with your husband and your family is true testament to your success. So, Charlotte, thank you from for your time today. Thank you. I hope I've answered all your questions. You certainly have. Thank you for listening to today's podcast brought to you by Bell Property Australia and Ready Media Group. We just heard from our inaugural guest there, the incredibly successful Charlotte Vidor AM of Toga Group. Over coming weeks and months ahead, Tamara Gross and Rob Langton will be bringing you exclusive insights from some of Australia's most successful female business entrepreneurs, business owners and thought leaders. We look forward to enjoying your company on the next episode.